Welcome back to episode nine about growing the good Christian girl. I am so excited today to have my friend Brittany Moses coming on and talking with us about mental health during deconstruction because my goodness, was this a big struggle for me. So this is kind of a standalone episode of this podcast. James and I aren't gonna stop and debrief it next week. We just, we wanna put this out there as a resource for you right in the middle of season two. How do you deal with your mental health during deconstruction? And also how do you heal from toxic church situations and recognize spiritual manipulation and more. So before we get started, I wanna say this episode is sponsored by Faithful Counseling. So when I was going through the hardest part of my deconstruction, it came with a lot of anxiety and struggles with feeling alone and sometimes depression and just like feeling like my whole worldview is kind of being shaken a little bit. And so seeing a counselor was incredibly helpful in my own journey. And what I wanted in a counselor, personally with someone with a Christian background who was a Christian, but was also a fully licensed therapist were really good at their job. And I wanted to keep our sessions strictly clinical. So that's one of the things I love about Faithful Counseling, our sponsors, is that they assess your needs, they set you up with a therapist who is a Christian, but is also like fully licensed, credentialed, has experience as a therapist. And you get to choose how involved you want your faith in your sessions, from super involved to keep it strictly clinical, to only bring it up if I bring it up, that kind of thing. You get to choose. Faithful Counseling also, it's all online. You get to meet with your counselor through video chat, message them securely between sessions, so you can do this from anywhere in the world. It also tends to be less expensive than a lot of traditional counselors are, and they offer financial aid that you can apply for too. So they're offering 10% off to listeners about growing the good Christian girl, 10% off your first month. Check out Faithful Counseling, our sponsors for this podcast, link down below for 10% off your first month with them. So Brittany and I met when we were both writers at an online ministry, and we've just followed each other's work, me especially following her work over the years. And she is just an amazing person. She's a mom, she lives in Los Angeles, and she's also continuing her studies in psychology at UCLA and research assisting at UCLA's Semmel Institute for Neuroscience and Behavior. So she's a mental health advocate who uses a holistic approach and she's trying to integrate faith, culture, and wellness. So she's the host of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast. She has tons of resources on her Instagram and her website. She's been a support group facilitator, a crisis text line counselor. She has so much experience in this and she also has walked her own personal faith journey through some deconstruction herself. So I'm super pumped to introduce her to you today and let's dive right into this podcast. Brittany, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today, especially I've gotten to follow your work for several years and I just love what you're doing with mental health and spirituality and just watching you grow and evolve in your own faith journey just over the internet. It's been so cool. So thank you for being here today. Thanks for having so, me. I'm so glad I could be here and we could finally chat. We've been following each other for years. We've seen each other's journey for years. I remember when you were first getting married. So, so crazy. So yes. I know. It's the journey. So exciting. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you for being here. So we start each episode of this podcast by talking just briefly about the fruit of our old way of thinking, um, since Jesus said that you know a tree by the fruit that it bears. So that being said, we're de talking, you know, about mental health and deconstruction. So when you were younger, what was your approach to mental health as a Christian? And what was the fruit of that approach, be it good or bad? Mm. 
Whew, such a good question. Um, you know, so I was born and raised in the church and I actually did not hear a lot about mental health specifically. I think maybe a lot of us relate to that. There wasn't a lot of really mm -hmm. practical knowledge around mental health, just a lot of spiritual language, such as yeah. like, renew your mind and take every thought captive and cast out fear. Like, what does you that know? mean? Yeah. What does that even mean? How? <laughs> right? So I guess based out of that, my thought, my approach around mental health, for one, it was very black and white. It was very mm -hmm. like, you're struggling, pray, you know, yeah. um, read scripture, read these 10 scriptures on fear, you know, um, read yeah. these on depression, cast it out, you know, um, <laughs> it didn't really leave much space for nuance or curiosity mm. or understanding. I feel like it was a very prescriptive approach. Um, mm. I definitely struggled with a little self-righteousness in the beginning, um, when mm. it came to my faith and how I relate to that. Right. Like having a very assumptive, uh, prescriptive approach. Mm. Like you just got it. You just need to do this, you know? Yeah. And I never explicitly said that to someone, but that was mm. kind of a approach. Um, mm -hmm. so that, yeah, it was, it was very black and white and I didn't have any training or understanding or education at the time. Um, which is why I should have been more humble than I was, right? It's kind of like what we call the double curse. <laughs> we call it the double curse of incompetence, which is you don't know what oh. you don't know. And yes. So oh, that's so true. Yeah. So because you don't know it, you assume it like you assume that you know. Mm. Yeah. Yes. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> that, I totally relate to that. I, I, definitely was the same. <laughs> did you ever get to a point where you were like, why isn't this working for me anymore? Like, did you feel that? Or did you just see other people feeling that way with the yeah. prescriptive approach? Yeah, exactly. And that is what humbled me. You know, mm. I was not only serving in the church for years and specifically with youth and young adults, but I also had my own youth and young adult nonprofit that was based around leadership development and community outreach. And so mm. The more that I was walking with people and their stories and giving that prescriptive approach, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, being asked by the lead pastor to like pray with this family, but feeling like there was something I was missing, hitting a wall, mm -hmm. seeing people who love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind, but was still severely struggling with depression, anxiety, and trauma responses, and just mm -hmm. hitting a wall where there was no real lasting change. Um, yeah. or freedom or transformation that really bothered me. Um, and then I was dealing with my own struggles with severe anxiety, um, and depression that I ended up going to therapy for getting help with. And I started getting really curious about like, what am I not understanding? Because, because mm. the feelings were in my body too. Like I was biologically yeah. feeling anxiety. Um, mm. my mind was spiraling and I didn't have a connection for any of those inner workings. And so, yeah. as, and so my own experience in comparison with those that I walked with made me really like, okay, we are missing something here. We don't have the resources. Yeah. We don't really, really practically know what to do in these situations. And I'm just not okay with that, like personally, because mm. I really wanted to help others and walk with others and see others and myself through to true, real, sustainable healing, um, and, and yeah. freedom and change. So absolutely. That absolutely happened. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this question 
from a broader perspective too. So when you grow up in a more fundamental or legalistic faith tradition, how does that impact your mental health? What are some common things that you've observed in the results of that? Totally. So when you have this kind of legalistic perspective, it's very black and white thinking. Like I said, it Mm -hmm. doesn't leave room for nuance or understanding. And unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't even really care to because it's very Mm -hmm. assumptive that I know what's going on here and all you need to do is this. And if you were doing this, then you just shouldn't struggle with that. You know, if you're right, it's, it puts people into absolutes and that's not Mm -hmm. life. So one of the things I talk about a lot um, when it comes to faith and mental health are perspective. So there tend to be two common perspectives that we see. There's the secular perspective, which is really what I got a lot of in academia as well, um, Mm -hmm. where it's about what's all evidence-based. It's based in science, um, therapeutic remedies that have been proven to work, to be helpful, Um, but it doesn't take into account any basis of faith or God or this transformative experience beyond yourself. Um, Mm. you know, uh, and then on the other side is this 100% spiritual view, which is what you can see Mm. a lot of times in legalistic church experiences Mm -hmm. where everything is a spiritual matter. It is 100% spiritual. And that's where you get that backfire of shame and, and guilt, because then it's yeah. like, okay, well, you just need to pray more. You just need to read more scripture. And it's not taking into account this evidence-based side mm. and the very real lived experiences and aspects and factors of mental health that aren't just spiritual, um, yeah. that are biological, that are um, psychological, that are social, that are uh, cognitive, all these things that I'm sure we'll talk about. So something mm. that those of us who are really passionate about the intersection of faith and mental health are trying to really um, represent is this integrated view of mm. uh, what is evidence-based and proven to be helpful and true uh, to our reality that really helps us heal practically, but also is is faith-based and it gives us a grounding beyond ourselves um, beyond our circumstances, the hope that we hold on to. Um, mm. so that's where we're trying yeah. to get into that healthier place because legalism gets very black and white. And, and one of the, I think yeah. the really good portrayals of this in scripture is John chapter nine, where Jesus is and his disciples are encountering a blind man and the, his disciples yes. are asking, yeah, they're like, rabbi, rabbi. What did this, what sin did this man or his parents commit that he ended up blind? And yes. Jesus is like, there were no sins that he committed or his parents committed. And he turns and says, this happened so that God may be, you know, glorified and he heals him and he becomes this blind man sees again and he becomes a witness. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. that's a really great example of what happens with legalism. We make these yeah. assumptions that... God isn't even making of us. Yes. Oh, wow. And so this falls into what we call the just world hypothesis. And the just Mm. world hypothesis is this idea that we live in a just world. Good things happen to good people and bad Mm. things happen to bad people. Uh, Good things happen to people who do good things and the right things and bad things happen to people who do the wrong things. But Tiffany, you and I both know, and everyone who's listening here, who's been through any difficult circumstance understands that 
things can happen to you that are out mm -hmm. of your control. You can go mm -hmm. through things and have done all the right things and have had faith and read your scriptures and prayed yes. and you still struggle with depression. You still yeah. encounter anxiety and trauma because that's just what happens living in an imperfect world in the human experience. But mm. when we get trapped into this just world hypothesis, then what is the reverse? Okay. The reverse is that if bad things are happening to you, if you're having depression or struggling with anxiety mm. or bad things are happening, then what didn't you do? Or what right. are you doing wrong? Or what Christian thing aren't you doing? Um, mm. And and so it, it creates that assumption and it's not fair, right? And it shames mm. people. But it's a way yeah. that we maintain control over our world. It serves, mm. having that type of think, thinking serves the purpose of making us feel like we could be in control. If I do all the right things, yeah. then I should be blessed. I should prosper. God's favor will be upon me and nothing bad will right. happen to me. But that's yeah. not, not only not biblical, the scripture says mm. you will have trials and tribulations in this world. Um, yeah. Have you read the book of Job? <laughs> have you read it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's a way that we try to control our world, but unfortunately, mm. um, it's not adaptive. It's not realistic. And so we have to leave room for nuance and legalism just doesn't do that. And that's the problem. Mm. That totally makes sense. And I hear like hearing you say this, I'm like, I hear these like words from so many of my listeners who write in and say like, what am I doing wrong? Like, why am I still struggling with depression? Why hasn't God healed me? And I'll see other like, you know, people trying to share their stories and saying, God healed me from this. So he's going to heal all of you. And it's almost like this one size fits all approach. Like you said, no room for nuance in it. And it, I don't know that can just like, like you said, lead to a lot of shame and yeah. Yeah, a lot of hurt. You can't assume that what's worked for us is going to work for someone else or what works for yeah. someone else is going to work for us. We're such unique human beings and mm. we all have different experiences and dynamics that have shaped who we are, not just mentally, mm. but physically. We have to, we all have different bodies, different bodily responses, yeah. genetics, what have you. And so all these roles, all of these things actually play a role in our mental health. And so mm. different people need different uh solutions and yeah, we just have totally. to be open to that yeah and the whole like things you know you do good things you get good results like I'm learning that in a very personal way right now with like in a different <laughs> place in yeah. life but like with my baby who I'm like I feel like I'm doing everything right but she's 10 months old and she has all these stomach issues and she wakes up every hour all night long so she woke up like 10 times last night and like it's just 10 months of nonstop of this. And you hear so much, like if you do it right, if you do this approach to sleep training, if you do this to whatever, it'll all work out. And it's just like a new way of me being humbled and learning that right. no matter how much you try to do everything right in any area of life, <laughs> you are not guaranteed a certain result. That is so, so true. Oh, God yes. only promised that he would walk with us through them. Yes. <laughs> right. Totally. So. Yes. So how can we recognize if our approach to spirituality and mental health, um, but yeah. let's, I guess let's go into more like spirituality here. How do we recognize if our approach to it is healthy or unhealthy, if it's good for our mental health or not? Yeah. The, the yeah. main thing that I, I think I would look at here is the fruit, you know, uh, mm -hmm. scripture talks a lot about how you will know a tree by its fruit. You'll know the root by yeah. its fruit. So, um, 
I really, I believe in that, even just on a universal level. It's like, look at the fruit. Mm. If, If this approach, if this path is leading to more destruction, um, if it's leading to, yeah, more self-destruction or more spiraling or your mental health is getting worse, um, Mm. you know, it's making life worse. um, It's making Mm. the burden heavier. You know, Jesus says my burden is light. You know, if it's overwhelming, if it's exacerbating you, right? Um, Christ came to give us life and life abundantly. It's the enemy Mm. who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if it's leading to more destruction in that direction, then chances are it is not healthy. If Mm. it's leading to more life and you are walking through life lighter, not perfectly, not perfectly, Mm. but Mm -hmm. you're coping through life better. You're able to function better. Your Mm. mind is clearer. You have more peace. Um, these are signs that there are solutions that are working that are on a healthier path. Like I know that's Mm. broad stroking more generally, but I do want to speak to just the fruit, the fruit of the outcome. I believe Mm. in paying attention to outcomes to help inform us if something's working or not. And if something really is, um, is really helping us or hurting us. So yeah, that's so good. I think too, about how something in my own life is with the way I approach devotions. I remember my whole life. I don't know if I'm assuming you probably felt this way too, growing up in church, but it's like, you must spend every day, read your Bible every day, pray every day at the certain time, set aside just you and God. And if you don't, it was almost like, you're not really a Christian. You're not really following God. There's so much. Did you feel that way too? That pressure? Yeah. Especially in the beginning. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And everybody's and like, posting their, their, their quiet time every, you know, it's just, <laughs> if it's you know? not on Instagram, it didn't happen. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I just felt so much like guilt and pressure and shame over that. And then when I started letting that go and saying like, is this like something that God has put on me or is this, is this his burden? Um, especially yeah. as a new mom and yeah. letting that go. Like it was hard because of that black and white approach to faith. Yeah. It's almost like it's this way or it's wrong, no matter how it feels. But as I let it go, it's just seeing the fruit of that in my life and like, yeah, how much peace and life that brought. Not that I never read my Bible or never pray or anything like that, but it's just like, I feel so much lighter. I don't know. That's just no, what came yeah, to mind. I feel like we definitely, so there is a lot of focus on spiritual maturity, which is great. Like mm. spiritual growth and growing in the word. That's great. But God Mm. didn't only make us spirit. He made us mind, body, and spirit. So, like, Mm. spiritual growth is great, but I I think it's so important to look at the person holistically. Is there also emotional growth? Is there mental growth? Is there relational growth, right? Mm. I think we focus so much on one aspect instead of the whole person. And to me, being healthy, being whole is, am I maturing Um, You know, there's so much scripture that talks about how it's God's will for us to reach maturity. You know, Mm, am I maturing as a whole person? Because in some cases, you might be growing spiritually, but you're stunted emotionally, you know, under some of these teachings, you know? Yeah. Um, And so is it growing you as a whole person? Mm, That is such a good question. Yeah. I love that. Now my mind's just going like all these different places. (laughs) I got to rein it back in. I'm just like getting inspired. Okay. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I just, okay. I'm going to say one of the things I was thinking is just like on a little side tangent is singleness. 
I think like I always thought because looking back, I realized like I was almost stunted in my emotional growth and relational growth, but I thought it was just God. So when I like would go on a date and feel like I was going to throw up, I realized now like that was because of past horrible relationships and I hadn't healed from the trauma of it as opposed to me saying, this is just God's will. It's not time for me to be in a relationship. I just like spiritualized it. We call it spiritual bypassing. Okay. Would you tell us about this? Like this? Yeah. I haven't heard about this before. No, no, please. Spiritual bypassing is basically when you use spiritual language to bypass like the bypass your reality. You know, mm. so it's like, it, like, say you're going through something really difficult. It, it could be the whole like, oh, well, God has pain in your purpose. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. say you're struggling uh-huh. with anxiety. It's like, well, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. Or, right. you know, you're using the spiritual language um, as a way to bypass very real and valid emotions that are existing for a mm. reason. And when you do that, you stay spiritually stunted. This is what we're talking mm. about as far as growing as a whole person. Instead of... Yeah weighing those emotions and like you said where where might this be coming from you know why are these emotions existing because they exist for a reason mm. you can check in with yourself check in with your emotions without letting them rule you you know mm. um and so yeah. being willing just being willing to do that being willing to get curious about you know what's really going on with you and allowing the validity of those feelings <laughs> you know mm. um and address yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of times there's this idea that like feelings are wrong, but I think I saw you post on Instagram, like feelings are just a messenger. Like they're like, they're teaching you something. They're telling you something. It's not like a good or bad thing. It's just pay attention. Cause they're trying to tell you something. And exactly. that just like really hit home for me. That's it. Yeah. So many of my listeners are deconstructing at least some parts of their faith right now. And I know firsthand, like that can be so stressful. I remember feeling so much anxiety, like, am I totally going down the wrong path? Am I going to go to hell? Like all this fear and anxiety, um, over thinking through like what parts of what I believed about my faith are true and valid and good. And what parts do I need to leave behind? So would you, would you share with us from a mental health perspective? Like why is deconstruction so hard on our mental health? And is this a common experience in, in what you've observed? Oh yeah. I mean, I think that parts of, you know, everyone is on different spectrums when it comes to deconstruction. Mm. You know, I guess Mm -hmm. I'm speaking more specifically to deconstructing unhealthy beliefs that maybe you grew up in within the faith. Like we said, spiritual bypassing, you know, perspectives, deconstructing those to reconstruct a faith that is more sustainable, more authentic. And I would even argue Mm. more biblical, um, to live out. Um, and so as you are kind of taking apart and deconstructing these former beliefs that you had, um, there are definitely some different moving pieces that are taking place that can make you feel anxiety, um, that can make you just, yeah, feel a little mentally maybe unstable sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things is what we call cognitive dissonance. And that Mm -hmm. is when there is an inconsistency between your held beliefs and your thoughts and behaviors. So you used to think one way, like maybe you've thought that way for a long time. Like I'll just Mm -hmm. say, for example, I've heard people say they were taught that like depression was a sin or anxiety was a sin or whatever. Uh Right. Um, 
And now it's like, now you think differently about that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now because you think differently about that, you are acting differently on it. Or instead of just rebuking it, you are Mm -hmm. deciding to lean into it. Whatever that belief is that was unhealthy, that you're deconstructing to reconstruct while you're in that in-between phase of really figuring out what you truly believe about this, there might be this new inconsistency that's introduced between what you used to believe Mm -hmm. and what you believe now and how you're aligning with those beliefs. So there is that cognitive dissonance that can be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, There Mm -hmm. also can be a sort of existential anxiety, right? Which is Mm -hmm. this distress Mm -hmm. about how you now translate the meaning of life, future unknowns, seeing things differently and having a shift in perspective. Um, So for me, come in maybe for you coming from a legalistic background mm-hmm. we lived in a lot of black and white absolutes about the yeah. future so like that's really comforting in a way because it makes you feel secure to be in absolutes mm-hmm. but when you let those absolutes go now it leaves things open like i used to always right. believe in, oh you know there's a purpose for your pain and you know mm-hmm. god let you go through that to learn a lesson and Mm. Now, mm-hmm. I don't I would never say that to someone because yeah. Sometimes pain is just pain, you know? Yes. And it wasn't yeah. I don't believe it was God's will to go through for you to go through that, but it's a part of life mm-hmm. um that you move through and I think you could use it, but to bypass someone's pain in that way I think is can be unhelpful and harmful. Um mm-hmm. so so then just leaving open just this idea of well, I don't know why I went through that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know why this happened, you know, or I don't know if this person will be healed from this. Some people live, let's be honest, some people live with chronic illnesses for the rest of their lives or even mental health right. diagnosis for the rest of their lives where they'll need medication mm-hmm. or need extra help. That's something that I came into contact with. And so learning to leave that open, you know, like yeah. what if there isn't healing and there is, as Paul says, mm-hmm. this thorn that you have to deal with for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Letting go of those mm-hmm. absolute, right, can create some existential anxiety there because totally. you're saying, I don't know, but I'm going to give it to God and take mm-hmm. each day at a time, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think another big one is uh, possibly changing community. So mm-hmm. maybe you're changing churches because – the one that you were used to or the belief system that they had or were accustomed to, you don't believe that way anymore, or you found that mm-hmm. it's unhealthy or it's toxic. And now you have left this community and you're seeking another one, but there was still this attachment that was there. This yeah. church or community was still like family to you. You did life together. Um, there's so many memories you have together. And so it can create some anxiety, both detaching from that community, but also this idea of like, I don't know what they think of me now that right. I think differently. Um, mm. and I'm pursuing a different path. Yeah. So- or even being told for so long, like it's wrong. Yeah. Like you yes. need to be here or Yeah. Yeah. Right, stay rooted, stay where you're planted, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to say that I have hope in the fact that God's love and faithfulness is based on who he is and not just what we do, you know, mm-hmm. and that his love and care for us is strong enough to to stick with us through these 
evolutionary processes that we go through in our faith. Um, Mm. I think he's big enough to hold that. I love Psalm 33 verse 15, where it says, God made your heart. So he understands Mm. everything that you do. Mm. It says he made their heart. He made their heart. So he understands everything that you do. So he's Mm. not surprised by your journey here or intimidated by your doubts. And he's capable of loving you every step of the way. You know, Mm. Thomas doubted Jesus in John 20, 25. He said, Thomas was, and I probably would have been a Thomas, you know, he's like, (laughs) Oh, same. (laughs) Right. Like Thomas is literally said, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my Mm. finger where the nails were, I do not believe this, you know, (laughs) Yeah, I I need evidence, you know? And Jesus, like, what did he do? He didn't go off. He didn't Mm. leave him. He didn't disown him. He said, put your finger here and see my Mm. hand, reach out reach out uh, your hand and put it into my side. He gave him the opportunity to rediscover his faith. And Mm. so, you know, find your safe spaces and be okay with moving step by step. Um, Mm. God can hold space for your process. He understands what you do. Um, So, so yeah, try not to fret. That's so good. (laughs) I love that. Let's move into actually doing a little, a little section here on church. Cause I think this is big in, yeah. I know for a lot of my viewers that it's been big in my life. So, um, I know you did some reels on Instagram about oh, recognizing yeah. spiritual manipulation. Oof. They were so, they, those reels were so good. Um, I think that's something many of us have faced maybe even without knowing it, hearing like, I'm your spiritual authority or whatever it may be. So I'm wondering what are some red flags that we should look for to see if we're being manipulated or gaslighted or just in an unhealthy church situation. And if, how do we respond if we think that's happening to us? Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. It's so funny. I think those are my most popular reels are the ones around spiritual. I think I became like, I I became the spiritual manipulation girl. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. If you guys have, if you don't follow Brittany on Instagram, you should, your handle is just Thank at you. Brittany Moses, right? Yeah. Yeah. B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y. Yeah. Yeah. I just try to take these topics and make them as accessible and like semi-entertaining as possible. And so yeah. I've been through spiritual manipulation and control. And, you know, I tell people talking about this or not bashing the church, it's on my yeah. watch. This is not going to happen to another single person. Cause I know the effect and the detriment it had on me. It set me mm. into a bit of a faith crisis. Like it's just, mm. again, wanting to see people healthy and whole and yeah. So some signs. I like of- how you said it's not bashing the church that we, I think we it's need to not. hear that because there's this idea that it's like yeah. bringing disunity to say anything no. that needs to be fixed in the church. And that's right. not true. <laughs> not gaslighting. I think that's gaslighting. Like don't yes. talk about anything bad for the sake of unity. Like, no, I yeah. talk about these things for the same reason because I love the church and because I want to see people within the church, um, healed and whole. So some of the signs, uh, I think yeah. of spiritual manipulation and control. Um, a big one is if you notice that anyone who leaves or disagrees is labeled as being in rebellion or mm. like in the spirit of witchcraft or something. Yes. So there's that group think, right. Where it's mm. like, you are not allowed to think anything differently or, or even just mm. question anything differently. Otherwise you're in rebellion. Um, mm. 
Another one is gaslighting, like we said, and gaslighting is essentially making you question the reality of your own experience. Like, Mm. you know something's wrong, you know you're feeling this is off, you know things are happening in the church that aren't right, or someone's character is a bit narcissistic or abusive or controlling. Like, you're seeing this and you're feeling it, but no one else around you is affirming it, Um, the leader is using a lot of spiritual language, so it's really hard to separate the two. So essentially gaslighting disconnects you from yourself and your convictions. Um, Mm. and like, for example, in spiritual gaslighting, someone, a, a leader or someone could be confronted for wrongdoings, but they all like, maybe they say, you know, pray for me. I'm under spiritual attack. It's like, no, you're not under spiritual attack. The enemy's not after you. You are not right. You're not doing right. And you're being confronted for it. That's not yes. a spiritual attack, right? Mm, yeah. You're gaslighting what's happening. It's called accountability. You're turning it into something spiritual. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're yeah. turning it into something spiritual and it's not. Um, mm. And so just always remember, keep in mind that healthy communities are ruled by faith and support with allowance Mm. for autonomy and personal growth versus fear, control, using God's name in vain and forms of Mm. gaslighting, no matter how charismatic or or, um, influential a person is, Mm. you know, like you said, they might say, God's will is this for you, or God told me this for you. Or a lot of times they Mm. will place themselves between you and God. Like they are the spiritual Mm. authority. They're hearing special things from God that you don't have access to, or you need Mm. to go to them first before making a decision to make sure that they're hearing from God too. You know, Mm. um, things like that are, are are very controlling when someone is making Mm. themselves the conduit of God for your reality, your experiences, um, and, Mm. uh, and disconnecting you from yourself. So yeah, Trust, not necessarily like trust your gut, but yeah, like pay attention to those convictions that you're feeling. And I love how you said that healthy communities have that space for autonomy. I think we need to hear that because it's like so many times in legalistic churches, that's not the case. Like, yeah, like you were saying. So that's so important. So if we think that's happening to us, like what do we do? What would you recommend? Oh man. Sometimes my favorite thing to do is just let people think what they want to think. So, Mm. you know, that's one thing, like there may come a point where you just have to leave because, um, there's this idea out there. Like if you're in a toxic church or situation, Mm -hmm. just, you know, you should, you should stay and and be there to help be the person who help. If you don't like it, then be, stay there to help create change. Sometimes things are literally bigger than you. They are systematic and you as one individual are not big mm. enough to change that environment. Also because there are a number of people who are enabling that to happen from the top. Right. Mm. And so yeah. if there's a situation like that, where you just realize that it's fruitless, um, to stay and it's more harmful than helpful for you to stay, Mm -hmm. then you may just have to leave and literally pray and give it to God and let them think whatever they want to think about you leaving. Mm -hmm. Like you got to surrender that, um, people's man's thoughts and opinions and do the right and healthy thing for yourself. There are, um, outside like investigation organizations called 
I believe it's called Grace. Um, yes, I will definitely yeah. send you the link to that. Um, and that'd be great. I'll yes, put that link in the description. Okay, so if there's like some type of abuse that's going on in the church or any type of abuse that's taking place um, mm -hmm. or harm, um, you can connect with organizations like that to help uh, investigate what's going on because it may be, mm -hmm. again, outside of you. Um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I would encourage seeking to find healthier community. Um, that might take time. Mm -hmm. It might not be right away. It's really hard to in, to heal in the, in the same environment that's making you sick. So mm -hmm. just be aware of that. Like our environment does have an impact on our healing and our growth. And that's if it's so keeping you stunted and in harm um, and it's doing more harm than, than good, it is okay. You are allowed. You have the autonomy mm. to leave those unhealthy, toxic spaces to seek sp safer ones for your mental, spiritual, yes. and emotional health. Give yourself That's permission true. to do that. That is so good. I think there's this idea that like, well, I have to stay cause I can't just like be going and dating churches or, you know, church like hopping. not willing to stay for the long haul church hopping. Yeah. What yeah. would you say? It, like, how would you differentiate? Cause I think there's a huge difference between, not being willing to like have people be a part of your life and being in a toxic yeah. place that you need to leave. <laughs> How would you, what would you say? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a complete difference. It's, it's different if like, you know, you're not tied to any church and you're just like, going from church to church to church, which of course, I, I mean, I personally don't judge anyone for how they find their grounding in their faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's a difference between that, I guess, and just not having the willingness to commit or attach or ground yourself into any community mm -hmm. um, versus, yeah, you were like in this really toxic situation and now you're in this in-between space where you yeah. first maybe need to take the time to heal. Some people don't go back mm -hmm. to truth right away because it's still a mm -hmm. triggering experience. There are too many associations with yeah. the church and that pain, a lot of spiritual language was used. Maybe that was used in a painful and harmful way. And so mm -hmm. spiritual language within itself can be very triggering, you know? Yeah. Um, and so sometimes totally. for some people jumping right back into another church is very scary and skeptical considering what they went mm -hmm. through and our brain is associative. So when it's in similar surroundings, um, that weren't safe, it can really take time for our mind and body to readjust to that. So, mm. um, you know, yes, that's okay so to take space. Yeah. It's okay to yeah. take space. And, and in the beginning, you probably are going to do some church hopping, right? Cause you're trying to mm. find a church that is, is mm -hmm. fitting. You're trying to find the right one. So you are going to yeah. look around and maybe stay around a little bit to see if what the culture is like. I mean, that to me is d wisdom and discernment and you are allowed mm. that process. Um, before you jump right into something and that's okay. Yeah. So that's so good. I remember a few years, years ago, really now, um, going through a really bad church experience. And yeah. every time I'd walk in the building, I felt like I was going to throw up and it was just like, I like Ugh, could not yeah. even handle being in there. And wow. yeah, it was definitely hard to like find, figure out where to go after that. And a lot of places I'd go, I'd hear some of the same phrases and I just like would yes. want to throw up. And yeah. so would you talk with us, like, how do we recognize a healthy church? Like, as we're looking for a good, safe community, like, what are some things to look for? How do we figure that out? Because I feel like it feels so overwhelming. It's just like, oh, I, I, how many meetings do I go to? How many services? Like, am I going to have to start all over again in two months? You know, like, what, what, yeah. are, what are your tips for that? 
It's like a relationship, right? It's like you went through yes. a breakup, you invested all your time in this person. Mm. And now it's like, oh, I have to go through this all again from scratch oh my with gosh, a new yes. person and reinvest <laughs> in them. So overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, it's really like, I mean, it's like dating, you know, so yeah. I 100% get yeah. like that. Um, totally. But I do think that community is so important. It's so helpful. It's it's like any process where you're trying to find your grounding, even like finding a therapist. You kind of have to search mm -hmm. around before you really get in with one that's good. But in the end, it ends up being beneficial for you once you find mm -hmm. the right one and help you, right? Like any yeah. process that we have or finding a doctor in your insurance mm -hmm. network. Oh. That's just, yeah. so let's just get <laughs> normalized. Like this is the process of life that sometimes that's you're going to have to do a little searching. Um, and yeah. as far as finding a healthy church, you you know, obviously sometimes you can look at their doctrinal statement. I think what's really good about church now in this modern day and age is that you can see some of their sermons. A lot of times they have mm. sermons on their page, on their website, on their YouTube. So I've done that before where I've taken the time to just look at their, what they're preaching, look at what their messaging is, um, you mm. know, and see where they land, um, see how they talk about things, um, and if that aligns, you know, what is the nature of how they talk about things? Is it from a shame-based place? Is it mm. from a toxic and healthy place? Is it unbiblical? Is it all the things, you know, um, right. you can look at for yourself and, and go to, yeah, I would go to, a, I would go to a couple services. If you can sit in on a small group for something, um, mm. you're just going to have to try it out, you know, um, mm. again, you have the autonomy to do that and, uh, and use wisdom and discernment for it. There, it's just one of those things where you just have to experience it to, to know. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. So one more question about church, um, is <laughs> how, how do you move forward in healing from that? Like, do you have any yeah. specific things you'd recommend as we, if like, you know, someone like me, like when I went through that really hard experience, I was like, I want to be in a church community, but it just is so painful. Like how, yeah. what are your tips for starting to heal? Yeah. I mean, I definitely recommend therapy, you know, mm -hmm. um, to be able to work out some of those things. I think really a big first step is finding your safe spaces first sometimes we kind of have to like dip our toe in the water before diving all the mm -hmm. way in especially when it comes mm -hmm. to healing so whether it's therapy or people in your circle who you know who you trust um who will hear you um whose advice you trust you know um getting with your safe spaces first to talk through it there is mm -hmm. i think healing in confession in itself just being able to mm -hmm. label and name what you went through and mm -hmm. get it out this is what I went yeah. through. I'm naming it. I'm owning my story. I'm owning the experience because also the flip side of owning that experience is that you will now see it better when it, mm -hmm. when it shows up again. That's so so you're not starting from scratch. Now you're starting from experience, right? Mm -hmm. That whole point. So you're starting with wisdom. You're, yeah, you're starting with wisdom. You're starting with experience. You know kind of what to stay away from because you've already been mm. there. So have have some confidence in that, right? Is mm. that I know what to look out for now. Before, yeah. you might have not really known what to look out for. That You just fell into what you knew or what you were used to. But you mm. are starting from experience now. So have some hope and faith in your own uh, yeah. confidence and ability to recognize it going forward. 
Um, mm. So, so uh, yeah, get with your safe spaces. Recognize that this time you have the autonomy. And, yeah. and um, we do heal in community. And this is what we call a corrective emotional experience, which is the mm. fact that you can be in an environment or with a have an experience that was very harmful and hurtful and painful for you. And then when you go into a new uh, experience, right, it may seem like it's the same setting surroundings, but you're experiencing it in a new way now. You're experiencing mm. it in a healthy way now. Your brain is able to restore that experience in a new way mm. that corrects your experience before that is a corrective emotional experience so that that ex mm. that new experience is actually creating a healing process for you wow um, for me um it's very similar to you know i was in um a relationship that was like very toxic i was anxious all the time it was very self-destructive mm. the other person i didn't know when something was gonna go wrong and mm. so yeah i was always on edge and then now I'm uh, engaged and you yes, know, congratulations. Would, yes, I am. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, and, and I was so it, excited when I saw that on your Instagram. I was like, ah, <laughs> so cool. I think everybody was like, finally. Finally, we were waiting. Um, <laughs> but really, like, now going into this new relationship where. Mm. In this new marriage where I don't have to be anxious and I can trust yeah. this person and it's safe. It is mm. restoring the experience of marriage and relationships from my toxic framework wow. of relationships into this new framework of a relationship is and can be that I could have mm. only gained through experience and being in a new relationship to experience mm. it. And so I think it's the same thing with church, with community and coming out of a toxic one. What helps you heal is actually experiencing it in a new way. So it mm. corrects kind of, it doesn't erase, but it corrects those associations around the harm. Mm. Wow. That's so good. That's something I've, I've never heard before. Like that is just, that's so good. Yeah. It kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah. we, we realize that avoidance behaviors actually don't help you heal. It's mm. understandable at first, but avoidance behaviors usually just continue to disconnect you and create more anxiety and you never face the fear wow. as yeah. what approach approach. Um, when you're taking an approach, um, then you're facing it then you're mm. engaging with those things that you fear. Then you can have that corrective emotional experience. So there has to be wow. some engagement level to that healing process. And I'm not saying it's overnight. I'm not saying that right, it's right. going to be diving right in. It's baby steps. But there is something mm. to be said about hurting in community and also healing in community. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, I love this. Okay, I have two last questions for you. <laughs> Not that they're small questions, but um, not right. <laughs> I would anything about mental health and spirituality be small. Um, but another reel of yours that I loved on Instagram was things that I thought were holy that were actually unhealthy. Yeah. Would you just share a couple of those with us and some steps we can take to become healthier in those areas? Oh my gosh. This was, yeah, another reel that blew up more than I thought it would. It's, yeah, it's really funny because you write, you write these experiences and then mm. everybody latches onto it and you're like, oh wait, we're all feeling and experiencing the same yes. thing. 
So I think so if anything, this was just really like relatable to a lot of people. Um, yeah. And I was able to kind of put it in words. So again, the real was things that I thought were holy that were actually unhealthy. So <laughs> for example, the ones that I gave were people pleasing and calling it love, burning oh. out and calling it service, bypassing emotions, ignoring emotions and calling it self-control, lacking mm. boundaries and calling it sacrifice. So it all goes back to Done all of those. <laughs> I know, I know. So like again, people pleasing is based in fear. It's not really mm. based in love, right? Cuz perfect love casts out fear. That that's mm. what biblical love is. People pleasing is out of a place of fear, fear of rejection, fear that someone might not accept you, fear that you're not valuable beyond what you have to offer to other people. And mm. so it creates this people pleasing aspect where you need to be something to everyone in order to feel love, belonging and acceptance, but mm. it's really rooted in fear. Um, that's mm. not love. And then, yeah. uh, burning out, you know, this idea of, um, I mean, I think a lot of us have done it in the beginning of the church. We just gave all our time and all our yeah. life and all our efforts. And there was a time for that. I don't regret it. I grew a lot and I gave a lot in a lot of ways. But now I'm like, I don't think I could do that again. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I was like, mm -hmm. I, think I, I did that and, you know, it was a lot. Um, and I think a lot of times we're really just trying to prove ourselves. Maybe there's mm -hmm. someone in a position in the church that we want to um, – impressed like get their approval get yeah their approval you know mm. and so we just keep doing 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 um or maybe yeah. there is this hierarchy clicky situation in the church and you're trying to kind of make your way into it by like mm. serving all your time hope, hoping that you'll reach a certain level or yeah. positioning in there in the church um but burning out yeah. is not that's not biblical either, right? Jesus says mm. that uh, give him your burdens, you know, find rest in him. Mm. Um, bypassing emotions, um, like we talked about, that's just with the spiritual bypassing. You're just ignoring yeah. your emotions and calling it self control. It's like, no, you're yeah. white knuckling everything. You're not facing anything, you're not dealing with anything, and therefore yeah. um, lacking that emotional maturity. Um, mm. and then lacking boundaries in the name of sacrifice. So that's like not being able to say no to anything, uh, to mm. every single church event, every single gathering, every single, and not just in church in general, because, you know, we think of the scripture, like, uh, put others first, you know? Right. Um, and we take it to this extreme mean, and it doesn't mean that we are worth less you know? Um, and, mm. and so there's, there's scripture behind this, right? So second Corinthians chapter nine, verse seven says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under mm. compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. So mm. how can we give cheerfully if it's deeply rooted from a place of fear, people pleasing and against yeah. our convictions, right? Yeah. That scripture says, decide how much you can give. That decision, mm. that's the boundary. Because by deciding how much you can give, you're also deciding how much you can't. By deciding yeah. what you can do, you're also deciding what you can't do. So yeah. set the boundary, not under compulsion, not against your will or by people pleasing. For God loves a cheerful giver. So cheerful mm. giver from a place of genuine and clear outpouring 
that blesses us in return, not from regret or resentment. So mm. that means we're in touch with God and the healthy, intuitive convictions that he's given us to live mm. out a faith that is authentic, honest, and sustainable. You know, mm. sacrificing your mental and emotional health is neither more holy nor always more helpful in the long run. Mm. So, so we've, replaced, we've made it holy, but it's really not. That's <laughs> what yes. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of this verse in the Old Testament, and I forgot to look up and see where it was, but oh, somewhere in the Old Testament, when they're building the temple, it's like yeah. it said he, everyone brought what was in their heart to give. Like they didn't yes. ask for certain things. Everyone just brought what was in their heart and there was more than enough. And yeah. I think that can be very telling in our church experiences too. Like yeah. if people would just bring what was in their heart to give, and maybe we don't, this is a rabbit trail, but maybe we don't have to have every single program that every other church has, but we just let yeah. people bring what's in their hearts and there will be more than enough for what we need. I don't know. I don't know. Just yeah, a exactly. Thought, I mean, but... you realize that, and I think this is a part of deconstruction as well. You realize that a lot of the things that you took on embodied and ideologies that you assumed, like the things that we mentioned, they're not actually biblical. Like when you yeah. look at scripture, they're actually yeah. just cultural like they're just church mm. culture they're man-made yeah. ideologies that have intersected into church culture and so yeah. it's actually yeah. creating man-made cultural ideologies that are unhealthy mm. for what's actually biblical you yes. know and living yeah. from yeah. a sustainable authentic faith that is yes. doesn't have to be so burdensome mm. so good so before we close, my last real question here is, um, would you, I know there's sadly still such a stigma around mental health in some church circles. Like you were saying earlier, how sometimes we think of depression or anxiety as sins or something to pray away or read away. So would you just share briefly with us, how has your study of the Bible and psychology led you to view mental health as a Christian? Like what is your approach to mental health now? Yeah. So it really is that integrated view. I love this full circle. We're circling back to the first question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't plan that, but it came together nicely. That's true. So, <laughs> it's that integrated view of, you know, mm -hmm. we are willing to uh, look at the, the evidence to see what is actually mm -hmm. helping people, what is actually setting people free while also having a faith informed approach, a biblically informed approach. I believe mm -hmm. that scripture gives us the state and origin of the human condition and evidence-based therapy and information gives us the tools and the language of how to practically work through the human condition. So mm -hmm. both together give us a more complete view. Um, mm. And that's me coming from someone who's like born and raised and serving in the church and had read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So I had the mm. words stored in my mm -hmm. heart and then went into academia and got that academic um, training and education that really brought language to things. But as I was going through school, I was seeing where scripture and uh, psychology were intersecting. Mm. Um, and so uh, that that's that's really what it was for me so that mm. holistic perspective that integrative perspective is understanding that we are bio psycho social spiritual beings mm. i know it's, it's it's a mouthful but we're looking at the whole person <laughs> so bio yeah. means we are biological we have bodies that we can touch and feel that god has given us this vessel and moving through the, mm. this world and the human condition. And, you know, um, any one of those things can go wrong. 
if any of us have ever been sick at any point in our life, which we all have, we know that as perfectly as maybe God intended us to be in the Mm -hmm. beginning, um, Mm -hmm. we live in a fallen world and any one of those things can go wrong. And that's also true when it comes to mental health. We have brains, we have neurochemicals, neurochemical reactions, we have hormones, we have our nervous system. All -hmm. of these things play a role in our mood and behavior. And so if any of those are out of, are out of kind of out of whack, so to speak, are, are not functioning well, then it can affect our mental health. Um, mm-hmm. We're psychological beings. So the psychological aspect is our, our mental framework of how we view our reality, how we view ourselves, others, um, the events mm-hmm. in our lives, uh, just our reality. And that's really shaped by our experiences, you know, Mm. and all of us have had different experiences, experiences of the culture we grew up in experiences of how our parents raised us, Mm. our parenting styles, any traumas that we experienced, um, our church experience, you know, all of these things shape our framework. So we have, we all have unique and individual ways that we view the world. Um, the social aspect, which is our social well-being, which has been more than proven that our social life, our social well-being has an impact on our mental well-being and our overall well-being, which is, you know, the level of support we have, being able to have healthy attachment with others, being able to have those who are there in our time of need, you know, to walk through things with just even being able to have meaningful conversations. There have been studies Mm. that have shown that people who had more meaningful conversations rated themselves happier, you Mm. know, um, we are biologically wired for connection, you know, upon healthy intimacy, dopamine and, and oxytocin releases in the brain, which is the bonding chemical for us, which shows that we were wired that way. So, um, loneliness, you know, we Mm. talk about like, if you're lonely, you're not spending enough time with Jesus. It's like, or maybe you actually need human connection. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe it has nothing to do with the reflection of your faith and actually everything to do with the fact that you're wired for human connection and you need to go have coffee with a girlfriend because you've been in your room scrolling on Instagram for the past week. Like, you know, Oh, so good. Yeah, so that totally affects your mental health if you're not getting any human connection, mm-hmm. which was really hard for us during COVID 19 and the quarantine, right? Mm-hmm. It was like so many of us were lacking human connection and it was playing yeah. a role on us, taking a toll. Yeah. And the last totally. part is the spiritual part, which we we've gotten right the spiritual yeah. aspect what we believe <laughs> to be foundationally true what is our objective belief what do we have hope in that's outside of ourselves what keeps us anchored mm. and grounded when our circumstances are difficult um mm. when we're tested by fire what do we truly believe about god and ourselves at the end of the mm. day and his purposes for us that existential belief system that is outside of our experiences that gives us hope that keeps us grounded um yeah that spiritual aspect. So, um, Mm. that's what faith and psychology and being faith informed and psych informed together means for me. It means having this holistic perspective, taking the whole person into account, which therefore makes us less assuming, um, Mm. less judgmental because we realize that human beings are dynamic and any one of these things can be playing a role. And so we don't want to assume that, we know why someone is depressed or anxious or Mm -hmm. having bipolar or PTSD or whatever it is. We don't really know unless you are personally assessing that person as a professional who is trained in these areas to be able to, Mm. um, to be able to have a deeper understanding. 
totally makes sense. Wow. (laughs) Brittany, thank you so much. As we close out, I know you've put together some really thoughtful resources on Christians wrestling with mental health um, and trying to figure out what they believe in, all that. Would you tell us about those resources and where we can find them? Oh man, yeah, this is my jam. So you can yes. go to Brittany Moses. <laughs> you can go to BrittanyMoses.com. That's my blog website. It houses everything. Um, like you know, it has all my social channels and you know, mental crisis resources for anyone who's looking to get mm. connected with more mental health support. Um, yeah. There's also Instagram. I think that's the main thing I'm on at Brittany Moses, my name, and Facebook and YouTube and all the things. And, um, I'm trying to get to Tiffany's level of YouTubing. I'm not there yet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to get to your level of Instagramming and I have a long way to go. See, we were learning. So good. Yes. So, um, and then I have the faith and mental wellness podcast, which if you enjoy this conversation is where we're having more conversations like this at the intersection Mm. of faith and mental health with both Mm. mental health professionals and those with lived experience who have lived Mm. it or are living with the diagnosis. And, uh, so so just covering kind of all both sides of the, of the chair, so to speak. Mm. Um, and then I actually, I haven't. I must, maybe I'll announce it by the time this airs, but I have a book that I just uh, submitted the transcript to. It's, it's on Amazon so for order. Oh my gosh, Tiffany, this is my first time announcing the book anywhere. Ah! I'm just so podcast. excited about this book. It sounds amazing. Well, she so was excited. just telling me about it at the beginning and I'm like, I need to like get this in the hands of my audience. Like it sounds oh. like so good. I will anyway, provide sorry. you the link. No, no, you, I appreciate do. that. It's called Worthy 50 Mindful Moments to Bring Cle- Cle- Peace and Clarity. <laughs> oh my, I just totally put them together. 50 <laughs> Mindful Moments to put to bring peace and clarity to your day. So it's like a daily devotional style. It's 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 like kind of short form daily inspiration that's also mm. mental health informed or spiritually inspired. Um, and it has a daily mental health tracker journal on there as well and some affirmations. It's something I just wanted to keep sweet and succinct for each day. I think we're overwhelmed with information. I think oh we're overwhelmed yes. with content and words. So I wanted to make something that is easily digestible to just get your mind and spirit in the in a good position each morning, each day to check in with I yourself. And so um, it is It is both faith and psycho- psychologically informed together. It's an mm. integrated perspective. And so... so cool. um, it's, I, I wrote the book that I would want to read. So that's basically what it is. Me too. <laughs> I want to read it. <laughs> yes. Sounds so good. And so um, you guys can pre-order for now. I mean, at this time of, of release. And uh, I would appreciate that so much. Yes. Oh, thank you. I have Brittany's website, Instagram, and the pre-order link down in the description below. So you can click down there and check it out. And thank you again, Brittany, for being with us. Definitely check out her Instagram, her podcast, her website. Um, It was so great to have you. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. And I'll see you all again next week for another episode of Outgrowing the Good Christian Girl. Bye, guys.